plain and simple, folks. You turn the clock back to the 1940s when we had dictators in other countries. In my opinion, that's what we have going on right now. A very aggressive dictator in Vladimir Putin. And Carl, I was wondering if you look at him that way and how you look at Russia right now. So I I agree with you. I mean, he is a dictator. Uh, There are elections in the country, but I don't think anybody plausibly believes those are free and fair elections. Um, you know, the opposition is either in prison or dead uh, or or so fearful that they've left the country or are completely silenced. So there, there's there's really no opposition to Vladimir Putin. Um, and he's got a security apparatus in the country that, that in many ways seems reminiscent of the Soviet Union. Um, but but the, the worst part of the Soviet Union. So when you bring up the 1940s, you can kind of think of of Stalin to a degree where people were very fearful to say what they thought. Um, and, and arrests can be arbitrary. You don't know uh, what's going to get you into trouble or, or, you know, why you're going to get picked up in the middle of the night or uh, mysteriously fall out of a window, which seems to be a, a common cause of death, at least for people that Putin views as potentially threatening to him. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is definitely a country that has, uh, moved away from democracy. We were very optimistic in the 90s that the country would become, uh, you know, kind of part of the quote-unquote West, democratize. Um, and we've seen really kind of the opposite uh, turn out to be the case. Uh, and in some ways, you know, people will say that this is worse than the, than the last few decades of the Soviet Union. Carl, um, I'm, uh, uh, let me jump in here. Carl, how does the rest of the world view him through your intel, through your contacts and readings and teachings, because we can sit here in America and look at this and maybe dangers and our concerns over his leadership to say in that country. But how does the world look at him? Do they have the same concerns? So the short answer to that question is it, it really depends. It's variable. Um, he He's not universally viewed as a dictator or as a malicious person. Um, He's actually popular in some corners of the world, uh, particularly in the, in the developing world countries that that had a strong ties to the Soviet union. um, They, they tend to view Russia much more positively than the countries of the democratic West. But even in the democratic West, there are significant chunks of the population that tend to view Putin positively. So one of the things that we know is that among you know, really hardcore right-wing populists, Putin is, is viewed as an inspirational figure. Um, a lot of these, these people who follow that kind of political ideology would like to see their countries become more like Russia is now, um, which is this very, very nationalistic, very uh, traditionalistic uh, type of country um, where certain minorities are, are not granted rights or even harassed, imprisoned, that kind of thing. So he's not universally viewed as a, as a bad political figure. And I think it's worrying the people such as myself who follow um, public opinion trends around the world to see that despite all the evidence, there are quite a few people who still view him as, um, as I would say, an inspirational figure, someone to emulate rather than someone to say, okay, that, that this guy's dangerous or this is a person who um, represents a bygone era. Um, 
it's it's not that case, unfortunately. With us is Dr. Carl Kalpenthaler with the University of Akron, Director of Center for Intelligence and Security Studies. And Carl, certainly in your studies, you know about Russia getting together with China, Iran, and some of those other countries where 10, 15, 20 years ago it was in vogue to parlay, to shake hands, to be partners with the West. It looks like those type of countries are growing, at least in that part of the world, in popularity. And with that being said, they've had some economic meetings. They've had more meetings than just economics. Is that a growing concern when we look at the popularity growing in that type of methodology and leadership? Well, it definitely is a growing concern in the U.S. government that there's increasing cooperation and ties between the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, and the North Koreans. Um, And we're seeing real-world consequences of this. It's not just what could happen into the future, it's what's happening now. And and probably the the biggest example of how this cooperation can be um, really detrimental to Western interests is what we see in Ukraine now with um, the, the cooperation coming particularly from the Iranians and the North Koreans, uh, but to a certain extent also from the Chinese. The Chinese aren't really delivering weapon systems the way the Iranians and the North Koreans are to the Russians to fight in the war. But the Chinese are giving other types of support, general economic support, um, buying Russian oil, um, all kinds of things which are, is, are, are detrimental to Western interests. And, and one of the things, it's it, not the, the most important reason why these countries are, are cooperating with each other and have developed friendly relations. It's, it's simply because what they oppose, and they all oppose the West. It's not really what so much they have in common uh, in terms of ideology, that type of thing. It's much more that they all view the West as, as, an, as a very significant threat to their security. So I would refer to their relationship as kind of a marriage of convenience. It's not a long-lasting kind of political or cultural bond in any sense of the imagination, but um, it is troubling for the United States and its allies to see these countries cooperating, and particularly when it comes to weapons. Carl, when we talk about, and you mentioned that word security, I was wondering if you could expand that a little bit for us. It seems like a lot of these countries, they kind of want the West to, to kind of get out of the way and let us do what we want to do. Is that kind of where you're going? Or maybe expand on that for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly where I'm going. So, for example, China China would like the West, and, and the United States in particular, to leave Asia. Uh, the Iranians would love for the United States to leave the Middle East. And the reason for that is because these countries want to dominate these regions. The Chinese want us to you know, no longer help the Taiwanese so that China can eventually take Taiwan. They want the United States out of the South China Sea so that China can dominate that region. Um, the Iranians want us out of you know, any of the countries that, where we have troop presence or, or strong um, ties with governments in the Middle East. They want us out of there. Uh, and the North Koreans would, would like us out of South Korea. They would like us not to cooperate with the South Korean government. Um, and the Russians would also like to expand uh, beyond Ukraine. They would love to um, get the Balt, for example, the Baltic countries back. Uh, and so this is this is a big concern that these countries now um, 
they're they're not so much in defensive mode as they are in kind of an expansive mode where they're looking to expand their influence and expand their territorial control. So this is a this is a moment of real security concern and potential peril for the West in that we've got this uh, coalition of countries who are all kind of pushing on the global status quo. And we've already seen one of them start a war in the, in the case of Russia with Ukraine. But, you know, it's also possible that, that China starts a war with Taiwan or in the South China Sea, or that you know, the Iranians are fighting a, I guess you could call it a cold war, a proxy war through Hezbollah and, and these other groups. Um, so the United States faces a situation right now where um, it's it's really kind of kind of keep these countries from uh, expanding their their influence, expanding their control too much. Um, some people may say, well, why is it the United States' responsibility to do this? It will be very very bad for the United States economically, politically, and in any number of ways if these countries are not deterred from further expansion because it will cut into our trade ties, it will threaten our lines of supply, it will threaten our oil supplies, things like that. It's very much in the United States' interest to, um, as much as possible, convince these countries that they'll they'll face a high price if they continue with this expansionist behavior. With us is Dr. Carl Kaltenthaler with the University of Akron, Director of Center of Intelligence, Professor of Political Science. And it's right, when you connect the dots with this type of expansion with these countries, it used to be for so many years oil, it still is but it's also mega trade dollars and also the power of these countries, nuclear power and such. Uh, Carl, let me ask you this. The United States out there looking at all these different avenues, are we unified with other countries in the West that still have our same beliefs, or is that starting to get weaker as well? I would say right now that we are we are pretty unified. There, There's a very... Uh, common view among Western countries um, that that both Russia and China uh, and, and Iran and to a certain degree North Korea. North Korea is a little bit of a different case, and I can maybe talk about that in a minute. But um, that these countries are are dangerous to international stability, and that that danger um, affects both security and prosperity. And that as much as possible, the West needs to be prepared politically, militarily, economically for the threats that come from these countries. So, for example, if you see how European countries are reacting along with the United States to the Russian uh, war in Ukraine, there, there's, there's real efforts to get as many weapons and, and as much help as possible to Ukraine. There's an increase in, in defense budgets um, in some countries that you would have never expected to really to take defense very seriously. For example, Germany. Germany has increased its defense budget uh, substantially. It's sending a lot of weapons systems to Ukraine. Um, you know, we used to view Germany as a country that had kind of given up on, on military things after World War II and their experience with Hitler. Um, so, yeah, I... I Right now, everybody's on the same page. That might change if we if we get um, some of these right wing populist governments uh, potentially into power. You could see splits because some of those um, politicians who lead those movements are uh, 
fairly sympathetic to Putin and um, are, are kind of isolationist in their views. So that, that could start to cause some cracks. Carl, my, my final question is, and we mentioned those other countries economically and for other reasons bonding together. For many, many years, the, the old cliche was, well, we can do what we want, but China needs us maybe more than we need them as far as trade and relationship and such. Is that thought process still in effect, or has that gone by the wayside? Well, it, it is changing. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's gone by the wayside completely, but there's, there's a process of, of what we would call decoupling uh, economically between China and the United States, where the, the United States um, is trying to reduce its dependence on Chinese uh, trade, and the Chinese are doing the same thing. And, and th- this is a result of the view in both countries that, well, if we get into a conflict and we're really trade dependent on the other side, that will really hurt us a lot. So let's let's develop domestic sources of these goods that we need, or alternative sources of these goods, not depend on you know if you're China, not depend on the U.S., or if you're the U.S., don't depend on China. So um, this is a bit of a troubling sign to see this decoupling happen because it means that both sides view the strategic relationship is inherently uh, unstable and the potential for conflict is real. So, uh, you know, the, the more this continues, the more one should take this as a sign that both sides are thinking that real conflict is, is, is possible.